The world is digital. Data is pervasive everywhere. A digital universe cloaked in a Ready Player One backdrop. 1984 meets 2020. Mobile phones, working from home, riots, protests, streaming services, 5G, AI, ML, cloud, internet of things, containers, blockchain, software as a service, the uberization of food, services, and relationships. A gumbo of information is ready to be served and certain ingredients change. How far do we go before it's too much? Zeros and ones prevail. How do we protect them, store them safely, and still have a voice that is heard and uncensored? This is Demetrius Malbro, and today's guest is Niraj Tolia. You are the CEO and co-founder at Kasten, an early-stage startup working on cloud-native data management. You have been working on storage and data management for a while and have played multiple roles in the past, including the Senior Director of Engineering for Dell EMC's Cloud Boost data protection products and the VP of Engineering and Chief Architect at Maginatics acquired by EMC, where you built distributed file systems. You received your PhD, MS, and BS in computer engineering from Carnegie Mellon University, where you worked on deduplication. Welcome to the show, Naraj. I'm doing very well, Demetrius. Thank you for having me here today. Very excited to be talking about all things data protection and cloud native. Let's go ahead and dive right into the questions here. I think we have a very fantastic show lined up. I want to ask you, I guess, why is it important for businesses to think through uh, their data and application mobility during a time like now, which is what's happening with COVID-19 and this pandemic? Demetrius, I think that's a great question. We live in very strange and different times, whether, you know, this is a new normal, the new abnormal, it's unclear. But just COVID-19 has changed how businesses are operating. So, and I think the impact on data mobility, application mobility, data protection is going to be profound here for a couple of different reasons. And in the space that we are both in, we've always been exposed to ransomware. But now with applications being run by users that are working from home in many different places where the network might not be locked on as tight as it was in the office, we're going to see more of that. And correspondingly, we're going to see more investments in the space. At the same time, COVID-19, when you go look at it from the impact on IT today, it's forcing people to make a move to OPEX spending versus CAPEX spending and forcing the transformation to a cloud-based environment. And in these scenarios, when you talk about mobility, 
it's a question of how do I move my apps to what's the best place to run my infrastructure? And in the time of potentially reduced IT budgets, what's the most cost-effective place to also run my applications? And that's why I think we need to sometimes rethink these things as the priority of different features or different use cases rises as the workforce has changed where they also operate from. Okay, great. Yeah, that, that is very, uh, very interesting. So um, I, I also hear and, and see people in the industry kind of throw around the term of, of day two operations. And I, I really want to get your feedback on what that really means, because people have different definitions of what day two operations is. And I guess what does day two operations mean to you? And why is it important to, I guess, streamline or simplify it? So it's a great question, right? And I think in particular, when we go look at newer emerging environments, when you look at cloud, cloud native, for me, the definition of data is actually quite simple. This is when you're going into production. This is when you're going into production at scale. So it's not about figuring out Day one challenges are around figuring out, hey, you know, looking at the cloud native world, what Kubernetes distribution have I picked? What public cloud infrastructure do I want to go down? What's my software-defined networking stack? What's my software-defined storage stack? Um, experimenting with new traffic controllers, service meshes. That's all day one, where it's an experimentation and selection phase. So you evaluate and you pick what is my new infrastructure platform going to be for the next 5, 10, 15 years? So it's a very important decision. You're then faced with a different set of challenges that are not evaluation-oriented, but operational-oriented. And that, in my mind, is day two. I know you've seen a lot of this in your career with some of the customers that you worked with, but it is particularly acute, these day two challenges, in the cloud native environment where you have increased scale because you're suddenly faced with multiple regions your applications might get deployed in. You're faced with the scale from the people side. So day two is a lot about people and workflows where it's about self-service. So when you have thousands of developers on new platforms, how does that work? Um, and at that scale, you can't, keep on throwing people at the problem, and you don't also want to burn people out. Mm -hmm. And this is one of these things that I truly believe that the hardest thing about technology is people. Mm -hmm. And we need to make sure right, that we serve the people at the front lines of the IT industry well. And that's why in my mind, it is extremely important to streamline how data operates from the automation point of view, from the reliability, from the automatic fault tolerance point of view. Does that make sense? It does. It does make a lot of sense, uh, Naraj. Thank you for that. Uh, I, I wanted to I want to jump into, uh, I guess, what's really hot right now. Uh, a lot of people are talking about Kubernetes. And so the first one that I have is, I guess, what would you say to someone that is trying to repurpose, I guess, a traditional backup software for something like protecting data in Kubernetes? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, 
you know, I'll just be honest here. My initial reaction to that is, please, for the love of God, do not do that. <laughs> All right. And like this is not saying, hey, you need to go buy what we work on at Casten or things of that sort. Um, but I just very strongly believe that this is not the right fit for customers because of so many different reasons. But I think the big one goes to your previous question about day two and streamlining. Most traditional backup software works at the server or infrastructure granularity level. And when we look at it from that perspective, they have no visibility into the application but your disks, your volumes are not attached to a VM anymore. They're not attached to a server anymore. They're attached to these containers that are running within Kubernetes, running within your VM, right? So that's the first part that goes missing. That is maybe I can protect the volumes attached to my cluster. Maybe I can snapshot them, I can back them up. But at the end of the day, if I need to restore something, how do I figure out that I've captured everything together because now it's no longer these disks actually spread out across multiple containers over your entire cluster, which is made up of 500 nodes or 500 VMs. And I don't know how the other, rather the traditional or legacy backup software doesn't know which disks to protect together because they have no application visibility. And that's the first part. So restore is error prone. It's manual. Um, and very inconsistent. But the biggest part is you're fighting the tide here, right? Kubernetes is this brand new thing, but it has really taken off. Why? And I hate to say this having worked in some of the traditional spaces in the world, is that a lot of previous solutions, a lot of platforms focused on infrastructure, focused on IT. Kubernetes said, we are unapologetic about it, but we care about the developer, we care about the application, which is what the right focus should be. But what that means, is it's a very application-oriented platform, right? And it serves the needs of the developers, it helps them move faster, that's why it's been so successful. But applications have changed. You know, a few years ago, people would talk about, hey, when I move from VMs to microservices, there's a 10x explosion from a monolith to microservices. With Kubernetes, it's worse, right? So we have this, we have a large customer, so Presteria. They're one of France's largest IT firms. They run us on hundreds of nodes. And what they have seen is that their applications on average Mm -hmm. have over 100 components. The big applications have six or 700 components within them in this world. When you talk about their microservices, their containers, their secrets, their networking information, configuration, stuff that used to reside on disk back in the day is now a part of Kubernetes state. And if your traditional backup software misses 90 plus percent of the components, just think about how painful recovery is going to be for you. Yeah, someone's going to lose their job, definitely. And, you know, maybe later we'll get into it. It also, traditional backup software doesn't fit the developer-oriented mantra that these platforms have adopted, where it's about self-service. 
it's about delegation. And that goes back to the scale question also that we just spoke about. So I think, you know, the conversation is dovetailing rather well in terms of how some of these different things, when you go look at the impact from COVID, when you go look at the impact of scale and Kubernetes and data protection all come together. Well, yeah, that that's uh, all, all fantastic because, you know, we, we're definitely moving into uh, this cloud world and cloud native and hybrid and multi-cloud and just all this cloudy talk, right? I guess let's make this more specific to, let's say, backup administrators, right? So how has the role, in your opinion, I guess, the role of the backup administrator changed in a cloud native world? What are your thoughts on that? So two things. I think the role and the career of a backup admin as well is definitely changing. And when we initially talk to customers, right, and most of the customers that operate Kubernetes form a new group within the traditional IT organization. And when I see the backup admin, sometimes I see concern. Right? No one likes change. This is a brand new environment. Some of the skill sets are different. But what I tell folks I work with, right? And today we work with a number of people that used to be certified and experts in net backup, in Cohesity, in Power Protect, in Networker, is their role is more valuable than ever in this environment. Because there's an increased risk of data loss. There's no change management process anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, developers deploy infrastructure as code. Storage gets dynamically provisioned within seconds, networking infrastructure, and it can be equally as fast destroyed also accidentally. The folks that we've seen go into production at scale, hundreds of applications, hundreds of nodes, have always had people from a traditional background that have had this car tissue and have brought awareness of some of these challenges into the environment. So I think these admins are needed. Their role might change, the title might change, what they bring to the table, the value there has gone up. We're going to see more investment in this core. Mm-hmm. I think what the backup admin though needs to think about now when you talk about their careers, when you talk about what they, how their role needs to shift, it's a different mindset. where they need to move from being the central point to enabling self-service. If you as a backup admin need to enable half a petabyte individually of use capacity and thousands of developers and hundreds of applications, what do you need to do? How do you make the self-service? How do you adopt new technology? How do you learn what an API-driven way of providing this access should be? I think those are some of the things that are going to be really important. I'm very happy to talk about this also from the perspective of customers, if you're curious. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's definitely a uh, probably would make for another great podcast. We could probably spend, mm-hmm. you know, an entire day talking about, you know, how, you know, backup and recovery industry is changing, it's shifting. And we're now moving into a place where infrastructure, physical infrastructure has less importance, Mm -hmm. even though it has to be there. But, you know, we're all moving to 
these things that you can't really see or touch, right? The cloud and what's in what's in them and what AWS is doing in the space, what Azure is doing, GCP, etc. I do want to shift the conversation a little bit more back to to Kubernetes and you know what what does a, a perfect backup platform for Kubernetes look like and I guess maybe share what some of the gotchas are that you have to worry about in I guess this new wave of infrastructure that we're seeing. Yep. Uh, this is Demetrius, this is such an interesting question. I could literally spend the entire podcast talking about this. Um, <laughs> okay. But, you know, we'll concentrate on some of the top level points. I think when I go look at what the promised land here can look like, how can we fix some of the mistakes we've made in the past? Um, what do we need to watch out for as we are likely going to trip over things? I think we'll focus on the biggest points there. Yeah, and I think the first one is a backup platform for Kubernetes cannot be infrastructure focused. It has to be application focused. It has to be application centric. Right? And this is seemingly subtle, but when we started off doing this, right? So I've been in the Kubernetes backup space for three and a half years now. Kasten was founded in 2017. Based on personal pain, when I was at Dell EMC, we launched my Cloud Boost control plane in Kubernetes running on Google Cloud in the pre 1.0 days. All right. And that's a different story by itself. But there was nothing out there and everything infrastructure focused would not service what we wanted. Right? And so here when we started Kasten, we said, how do we flip the problem around on the head? How do we say, let's discover what it means to be an application first. And that means not your, just your storage and data. It means coming from the top, how does traffic enter your application? What's your networking look like? What are the different components of the compute side, your configuration, your secrets, your custom resources? Um, what does your database look like at the logical level? And then going down to the physical layer. So we span the application, application components, Kubernetes, your storage. And it really, you need to understand all of that as we talked about earlier, otherwise you will get lost. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. And the part of understanding this is that it also increases scale challenges, right? We have customers that have millions upon millions of artifacts that are recorded in the system. The scale at which you operate, you're no longer dealing with a few hundred VMs. A cluster could have 50,000 components in them that you're backing up after filtering. And as you have longer retention periods, that becomes interesting. The other thing that we just talked about is also very important, I mean, self-service. How do developers have control over their restores or maybe just their backups? So essentially this boils down to multi-tenancy. This boils down to role-based access control. But how do you enable a self-service environment? Traditional backup products weren't based on that. And if IT teams don't want to die under the load of servicing all these applications, I think that's going to be very important there. And then I think right, the one other really important point I would stress is ecosystem integration. No product exists in a vacuum. And it is insufficient to say that all I care about is Kubernetes and come use me. This is about going back to your earlier question about day two. 
how do I integrate with all the tools in a seamless manner that people use to run their platforms? Be it be Prometheus for monitoring, PagerDuty for alerting, Splunk, Sumo Logic, Elastic for logging, auditing features, role-based access control, doing that without user management. How do I integrate into the rich ecosystem around me? Make that pluggable for a customer so that day two is simple. And I think, right, those are the top four points I would talk about. And then there are other subtle things in there too. But if you have some of these covered, right, and then database awareness, how to deal with Kubernetes API changes, right? How do you deal with a platform whose APIs change every three months? And portability, I think those are some of the second level things. But if you cover the, all of those, I think you're very close to what you will need in production at scale. All right, so thanks Niraj for that. Uh, so I guess, wh what do you think is the best way to give people like DevOps engineers um, that are concerned with data management global like visibility alerting and monitoring what what would you give them maybe your product and also of, of protecting data out in kubernetes mm -hmm. so two things i would like to tell them right if you're running at scale if you're running within the enterprise because this is greenfield technology there's sometimes temptation to build your own okay i would recommend not doing that to begin with well, you know, there's a typical always as a build versus buy decision. But similarly, in the same vein, when you go look at alerting, monitoring, visibility, I think these are very important questions. At the end of the day, we'll figure out how to do backup. We'll figure out how to do recovery. It's all the features around them that are going to make the biggest difference. And the advice that I have for everyone, and particularly for people coming in from a more traditional IT background, is not to fight the momentum we see within the ecosystem. Mm, okay. What we will see is the majority of products in the cloud native world tend to use Prometheus for monitoring and alerting by its alert manager. Figure out how to leverage that, figure out how to build dashboards out of Grafana. Um, for logging, make sure it is pluggable, right? The way we built a product, for example, and this is how customers run us, right? We have customers at five page duty alerts, et cetera. We said, we are not looking to provide the best monitoring or the best auditing solution in our product. What we will provide are clean APIs that you can deploy whatever product you choose to get data out of us. Right? And it's about, you know, you could argue, hey, Neeraj, you reduce the stickiness of your product. But no, it's about doing the right thing for the customer. And so whatever they set up for Kubernetes logging, we transparently work against that. Whatever they've set up for monitoring and alerting, we'll work against that for visibility in these environments. Um, and, so, and I think that's what one should think about that is how do you leverage and reuse what's out there in the ecosystem? to get to this much faster in production. You know, how important is that with, um, you know, like protecting data in Kubernetes? I think it's very important both from an ethical standpoint, but also increasingly from a legal standpoint. So we've always had GDPR. We've always had 
regulations for a few years that have seeped in, but now states like California and the U.S. are introducing uh, similar laws. So, and privacy is important. Security is important. Mm -hmm. And my recommendation is that when, and this goes back to what I talked about, it's just it's uh, the features surrounding your backup recovery DR workflows, right? Mm-hmm. Is the platform you're picking, can it service these needs? Can it be completely air-gapped or locked out? Can it only work in the environment you choose, right? So for our customers in Europe, sometimes they say, this data cannot leave the boundaries of Germany, even though I'm in the EU, or will not leave Ireland, um, things of that sort. So how do you support that? How do you support stronger security, right? So having no one master key, but having multiple keys, splitting out your data stores. So you have different deduplication domains. Um, being able to say, this is the only place you can move data. So those have become important part of a data protection and data management strategy, given just how much information people collect and how valuable this information is on the downside of this information getting lost or getting stolen. So this is something, again, we feel very strongly about. And while there are only so much data management products can do, I think there's a lot of room for improvement there. And a lot of things one can do to support customers in this new world. Okay, f- fantastic. And, you know, the, the conversation is going so well that there's a lot of more questions that I do want to ask you. And I guess I'll boil them down to to only two more. Uh, another one that kind of, I guess it centers around, you know, DevOps, um, et cetera, and, you know, what developers and operations, what they're doing. I guess where and how does data protection fit into the, the CICD pipeline for containerized applications? This is, again, one more of those things where the backup of the IT admin does not see the application until it gets deployed. It's automatically deployed, resources automatically created via CD pipeline. So the growth of Kubernetes goes hand in hand with the growth of CI CD. And the two things to think about for people that aren't familiar with it, I definitely encourage you to go look at the GitOps movement where infrastructure's code comes from, how you sync it, etc. It's emerging, pros and cons there, but look into that. But that also cleanly fits into how continuous deployment happens. And how data protection fits into that is, A, how is data protection going to be always on but transparent to your developer? So as your app gets deployed, as your app gets moved into from staging to production, How do you validate data protection every step of the way? How do you auto-create policies to protect this application? How do you restore in an automated manner? So I am bringing my data back or my application stack back because that configures code as a part of my continuous deployment pipeline. But how do I bring my data back along with it? Hmm? Got it. And then as we see more maturity, you're going to see the reverse of this. My data that I've captured in production, how do I make it more useful in my staging, my performance testing environment? So how can I safely, while retaining privacy, bring data back into the developer's hands 
so that new code updates don't break because the schema changed or something else happened where your test synthetic data did not reflect the properties of a real production customer data. I'm throwing in a, a new final data protection gumbo question to kind of end our conversation here. And it's one where you have to uh, look into your crystal ball. Tell me, I guess, what does the future of data protection and data management look like for you? Okay. The future of data, this is a very interesting question. The future of data management, data protection, to me, what it looks like is boring, simple, and transparent. This is something you don't want to hear about. This is something that I truly believe, and I'm borrowing from Kubernetes philosophy here, that infrastructure should be boring. Mm, okay. It's not something you want to get paged about at two in the morning. This is not something that you need to manually tweak. It needs to be self-healing, reliable, available. The data protection platform will work hard to for the right thing to happen. It needs to be transparent also to developers where it is will work with all the wraps. We have a customer that uses us with everything from COBOL code to Go in Java and databases like Mongo, Cassandra to Oracle, MySQL, Postgres, Kafka, Hive, etc. Right? So it needs to be developers are going to pick 25 different things. So how do we transparent to all the needs? How to be self-service? How to be simple with providing self-service? I think when I go look at boring, simple, and transparent, that is what I believe Nirvana should look like for us as an industry. Mm. I think you just named the title of this podcast, Boring, Simple, and Transparent. Well, you know, <laughs> I hope it catches people's attention because that's what's going to make everyone's lives easier yeah it's uh it's a truly truly interesting space uh right now you know i've been uh out of the industry just for a couple of months now i am going to do a better job of kind of keeping my pulse uh on the um on the news scene around you know what's happening in the space i'm really looking forward to continuing to hear uh what casting is doing and so uh, i think the listeners you know have some great information from this episode um thank you so much for taking time out to uh come on the show for me and it has definitely been a pleasure Naraj. Uh, likewise thank you so much for having me and let's also keep the conversation going i look forward to coming back at some later point in time but you know if people have questions they can find us on twitter they can find us on linkedin so if there are any questions that i can help with please do not hesitate to reach out all right so you said they can reach out to you on twitter and linkedin what is what is the twitter handle so my twitter handle is my first name last name so at niraj n-i-r-a-j tolia t-o-l-i-a um so you know pretty much always there so tag me ask me a question i will make sure i respond all right and don't don't forget that uh, i think you're part of my backup and recovery professionals group in linkedin mm-hmm. as well right okay yes oh that is an amazing resource if people aren't signed up for that um this group on linkedin high quality conversations happen there highly recommend signing up today as soon as you listen to this 
Thank you, Niraj. And um, you have a great day. And thanks for appearing on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Data Protection Gumbo. I love reading your reviews on Apple Podcasts, so please keep them coming. And every review that you leave helps. So please also join our LinkedIn group, Backup and Recovery Professionals, and also check out our website at dataprotectiongumbo.com. So have a great week and see you next time.